Here, here's what I my advice to other influencers is that if you're trying to go into this as a career, especially if you want to rely on income, you better be in it for the long haul because it is not an overnight success. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. My name is Matt Rouse and I'm your host today. And today I am talking with Samantha Javier. Samantha, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for saying my name with like a French flair. That's so different. That's right. Javier. Yeah. Well, I'm from Canada, right? So everything is oh, fast and French. You pronounce it. Right? Okay. Okay. I have, I have no idea if that's how they pronounce it. I just had to take French for 10 years in school. I've heard my last name pronounced like that, too. So I was like, OK, I'll take it. Today, our guest is Samantha Javier. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about the life of an influencer. And I'd like to say that with your 15 years or so of combined experience in public speaking, modeling, and you talk about your short height because you're a four foot eight, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And you say you like to make others feel tall, motivated, and empowered. Mm -hmm. And you're a Filipino-American, social media uh, social media model, <laughs> marketer, speaker. And you're known online as short girl power smushy pig, which we will talk about in a minute. Yes. Uh, most people don't call themselves smushy <laughs> or a pig at the same time. Definitely. I will. <laughs> And we will have your Instagram and, and, you know, however you want people to look you up online at the end. But for now, I want to ask you the first question. And this is probably it, it may sound like a little bit of a stupid question to start with. But for those who may not know or may not understand the term, what is an influencer? Okay, so an influencer typically is a person who does content creation and they pretty much share their content creation through different platforms, online platforms such as social media. It could be through video. It could be through a podcast. And they generally tend to have a following. That's their audience. And whatever values or content that the person likes to speak about generally uh, gets reflected in their audience. So in a way, that person who is doing the content creating, they are influencing their audience in a way through who, who they are, who they, who they are genuinely. I mean, celebrities can be influencers, but what I like about influencers is that you can come from a regular background and that's what makes it such a huge difference from like a celebrity influencer or, you know, like a sports person. Influencers can be regular people that can have a really big impact on an audience. Right. So generally an influencer, you would say, is someone who is regularly generating, you know, photos or videos or other kinds of content. And then they have uh, kind of more of a following than your average person would have, like, you know, more right. than, you know, somebody would have for friends or whatever of people who follow that content. And therefore you have influence, right? Because of the amount of people. Yes. So there's a lot of talk in the business world, people talk about, and they call it different things. Some of them call it influencer marketing. Some people call it micro influencer marketing. A lot of businesses, when they hear the word influencer marketing, they think like, well, I'm going to go pay a million dollars to a Kardashian so that they can talk about my whatever. Right. And that for the most part is not the case. Right. 
No. So influencer marketing, as you mentioned, it can come from different ways, especially for micro influencers such as ourselves. One of the biggest, more genuine ways we do marketing, influencer marketing is also through brand ambassadorships, where for most influencers, those who know what values they stand for and align with, like myself, I align myself with the Watch Me brand. And so they are a clothing brand with a really powerful message. Their powerful message is Watch Me. And the premise is... Anytime that someone, oh, like, oh, you can't do this. You're not going to be successful. You always tell them, watch me. So when I collaborate with that brand and how they're influencing it is that their values align with my own. And because we have that common ground, I can generally promote their shirts or their hoodies through my posts, through my videos. So what I really like is that with influencer marketing, the influencer has more leverage and freedom to, in a way, market the product of the company and how they want to. And they can be generally honest about it. And that's what I really love. And sometimes we you may or may not get paid depending on the contract and how that's set up. But influencer marketing, as compared to like Kylie Jenner, it's more authentic, it's more creative, and it's definitely builds more trust with your following than like a regular celebrity. And and to kind of summarize that a little bit, then the idea is that a, a brand or a company is paying you and giving you their product right? So that you can create content wearing their clothes or using the product or service, whatever it is, with the idea that because you have influence, right, as an influencer, then the people who follow you are then going to want to purchase that product or service uh, because they, you know, believe the same thing that you do. Mm -hmm. There's also, I mean, there's, there's, there's sometimes you see some pretty bad misalignments of branding where you can tell that. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, somebody's like, I use this toothpaste every single day, but in the background, they have like a different brand of toothpaste on the counter, you know? No, no. I know. Come on, people, do your due diligence. Come on now. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you see people who are like paid to use products, you know, that that they haven't endorsed. Actually, I saw this in a documentary and it was, oh man, I can't remember which one it was now. Was it Gal Gadot? really, might have been. They had this like terrible setup where they made this soda Okay. It was called something like killer soda and like the ingredients in it were like cyanide and like all this poison and stuff. Like they they just printed it on the can. Oh, like legit tell you. It wasn't like for real like that. They just printed it on the can. Oh, okay. And then they were trying to pay influencers to promote that they drink it all the time and none of them would try it even or the read the ingredients. They were just like out there promoting this oh fake my killer gosh. soda. It was actually pretty funny. But they did have a bunch of people also that that declined, right? That said, right, no, I'm not yeah. going to do this or it doesn't fit with my brand or it doesn't mm-hmm. fit with, you know, who I am. You don't want to just pick your influencer based on their follower count, right? No, no, definitely not. So, and talking about count, it's just about micro-influencers. Sometimes we get this reputation like, oh, you don't have like a following in the millions. But what you have to remember as a micro-influencer is that if you picture a stadium full of your following, for my example, I have over 5,000 followers. That's still a lot of people. And these people are here because of like what you represent. And those do come into play with like the posts and the content you do with the brands that you align yourself with. So that's like super important. I'm sorry, did I answer your question? <laughs> I think there is also the value of the creation of content. And that is something that people overlook all the time. And as someone who owns a marketing agency, I know how much it costs to create good content. 
to get something the equivalent quality that you would get from an influencer who is, you know, you give them your product and they they make a video or whatever with your product. I mean, it, it costs thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to plan, create, shoot, edit, get that kind of content created. Whereas you can pay an influencer pennies on the dollar compared to that and, and give them some product and everybody's happy and you get content you can use later, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so speaking of content, like some influencers or like sometimes some vloggers, they'll be very organic and like just promote a content with their camera right here. For me, I am very more picky about it. And so with the Watch Me brand, the video I did in Hawaii, very, very high quality content. I encourage you guys to check it out. Right. And the thing is, like, I actually know the videographer through another friend who's a videographer and they have produced amazing content. So I normally that video would have cost over a thousand to produce but because we're friends with the connections i didn't have to pay that much so it was really great get that good quality yeah it would it would cost several thousand dollars to produce that video professionally yeah oh yeah and he's amazing i know andrade guys in case you want to check him out and that's the watchmebrand.com if you want to check that out yep so let's talk about why your influencer name is smooshy pig yeah, okay. Everyone keeps okay, so I do get that asset. So Smushy Pig is actually three parts. The SMU part, SMU. When I traveled to Japan, my nick they couldn't pronounce Samantha, so they said Samu, like Sam for short. And then when I came back to college, my debate team shortened that name from Samu to SMU. And everyone knows I love sushi, so put sushi. So Smu and she is smushy. And I love pigs just because I'm a tiny pig myself when I go out to eat. I like to eat a lot. I have no shame about it. And so when I combined those things, originally I was like, okay, as a model, everyone does their name. It's easier to remember. Let me do something different, like smushy pig. And, you know, it's really, really unique. Except for that one pug on Instagram now. I'm a rival, but... Right. Except for smoosh pig. Yeah, smoosh pig. I'm like, no, smooshy pig, guys. Exactly. No, so smooshy pig. It's memorable. It's short. And you don't think a model would name herself as smooshy. I'll do it. (laughs) It's always good to walk the opposite direction of everybody else. Yes. Man, if I had a dollar for every single time I've sat down with a company or a person or a freelancer, and I said, what makes you different from everybody else in your industry? And they tell me exactly the same thing that everybody else says. Oh, there's no competitive difference or competitive advantage. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. (laughs) But it happens all the time, right? Yeah. Especially if, you know, as an influencer, the checking out all the other people who are kind of in your same market or have the same people is the same thing as com- competition shopping, right? It's just like going to shop at other stores like your store to see what their pricing is and how their store's set up and all that kind of stuff. Or calling the other place that has the same service as you and, and trying to pretend to order their service to see how they do their process, right? Oh, I bet you have some stories there. <laughs> that is. That actually comes from the commission sales world in the kind of 80s and 90s. You would have to go shop. Your competition was part of your job. So yep. once a week, you would go to a different store and you would try to buy the same product you have in your store. And you want to see how much you can work them on the price. How do they present it? How many do they have in stock? All that kind of stuff. Yep. I learned about that. Mm-hmm. And if you go there... So let's say there's a laptop, right? And you go to the other store and you 
try and drill them on the price or whatever. And they tell you, well, I don't need to go down on price because we've only got two left in stock. So if you want one, you better get it now. Then I go back to my store and somebody comes in and they say, well, if, if I don't buy it here, I could just go buy it down the street at the other store. And I go, well, you can't actually because I was there two days ago and they only had two left. So they're probably out. Oh, you got that down. <laughs> just like how to keep them in your store like a science. Right. And then they say, well, you know, I don't believe you. And I'm like, fine, let's go call them on the phone. You call them. Hey, do you have any of that laptop left? They're like, no, uh, we're going to get some more next week. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) So you want to buy that laptop now? (laughs) Right. That was the old commission sales world. Do not do that anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. I no, no, I wouldn't do that. No, I no, I'd probably get chewed out. (laughs) And you know what? Honestly, the idea of being an influencer and the idea of being a salesperson now are really similar because what you're trying to do is align the goals of the brand or the company with the customer. And you are trying to, you know, hold their hand and walk them through the journey of how they get to, you know, the product or service that best fits their needs. And if you're an influencer working for a brand, it's the same idea, right? You want to show how good this thing is and why it fits in with what they need. And, you know, that's that's the way it works. And the, the fun thing about being an influencer, I think personally, is that, well, you don't, you're not always a commercial, right? No, no. The majority of the time, you're just doing your own thing. Yeah, you have that create, most of the time you have that creative freedom, which is so different from how um, marketing was before, even back several years ago. So because of the fact that influencers have this freedom to leverage it. And I think the important part is that even new audiences who see that post that randomly pops up or that video, they're like, oh, this is actually like a real life example of how I can like integrate this versus like a staged ad or a stage infomercial back in those days very different now. Similar, similar, like similar ideas, but the execution has evolved. So let me ask you this. How did you get started being an influencer? (laughs) Not intentionally. Right. As you read my story. So, so how I got even into being on social media, it was, I was trying to get over this like rock bottom of my life after college. And because I am so short and because I'm very young looking for my age, Matt, how old do you think I was? Like, if you didn't know my voice, just, just guess, just guess. Well, I don't know, probably like 19. See, yeah, exactly. And then or even a couple years ago, I would still at Dollar Tree, you know, someone asked me, oh, young girl, do you know what Monday is? I'm like, oh, yes, President's Day. I'm like, oh, good for you. You stay in school. Like, I still get that impression where I can still come off as a high schooler and middle schooler. And so at that end of my rock bottom year that I had after I graduated college, I just wanted to look like a woman for once or look at my age at that time, which was in my early 20s. Abandoned myself. Anyway, <laughs> and after I did that photo shoot, my other friends were like, hey, you should really get into this. Like you have talent. And then it kind of spiraled into my following there. And then after doing uh, a TFP modeling, which is time for print with other photographers locally in the area, my following grew and so did the themes of my modeling. It then became instead of just looking like, oh, hey, look, I'm pretty and I'm beautiful, which is all great. I wanted to show that us women, especially short girls that like, you know, we have a brain too. We have a mind. We have a voice. We're not just like this cute little thing. We have something to say. And so kind of grew from there and the ambition and drive for me becoming an influencer. I 
definitely have to credit my parents and their story, you know, growing up as immigrants coming to America in a third world country from the Philippines. So I'm like, hey, if they can provide this to me, then here I am and in a very privileged country. I can do more. So I took that mentality. I took modeling and I was like, okay, what makes me different than just being a model? And my life and business mentor is like, hey, you're actually well-spoken and like you can actually speak and you have like thoughts. Maybe you should go portray that. And guess what, Sam? You're short. Go celebrate the fact that you're a short person. And, And at first I was just like, I was ashamed, I guess, in a way, because in culture, being short is not necessarily prized or cherished. And it was like that way for all. Like, you know, when you think of like superheroes, you don't think of someone short. You think of someone taller. When you look at models, you think of someone, oh, really tall, not short. And so as an influencer, I'm like, let me go into this space where I can genuinely be me and use my following for my audience and show like, hey, us short people, we got this. And then, of course, through my modeling network connections, that's how I got this brand ambassadorships and all these other opportunities. So it took a long time, but it came full circle and it's still going. You know, I don't think that there is enough voices of kind of personal empowerment and stuff in the world already. I know it seems like there's a lot, but when you look at it, man, there is a lot of unhappy people in the world and a lot of people who have struggles and you know i think people really attach to you know kind of a positive message you know it's 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 uplifting especially if you're on you know any kind of the major social media networks right now especially you know maybe not so much on instagram or like twitter uh, i was gonna say tiktok but i was like yeah it's kind of on tiktok too but yeah (laughs) if you're on like you know twitter and facebook and any any of the other places right now it's just like a political mess in the yeah. United States anyway. But it's also like there's just all these unhappy people everywhere. Like I a perfect example. I got up this morning, you know, I try not to look at social media immediately first thing, but for some reason I opened Twitter this morning. I don't know, <laughs> stupid idea. The first message that's on there is some guy berating me that maybe I'm some kind of a-hole who doesn't like video games because I said my PlayStation 4 takes too long to update. I'm like, that's my message for the day, right? Like, they're like, screw you. And I'm like, yeah, just give me your PS4. Oh my God. I don't even know you. You don't know me. Like, who the yeah. fuck are you, right? You know, so anyway, I mean, the, the, the amount of negativity that's on networks and honestly, social media networks, they make money the longer people are on them and people who are arguing stay on them longer. It's just such a tragedy that such drama can happen because the Internet gives people such an anonymity. Sorry, I have a hard word. Anonymity. And then just so it's just like that influx of just like anonymous people giving negative vibes. And it's just so sad now. And I think that's why, like, I want to be different. And I'm not saying that influencers are to, you know, there's not all, but, you know, just show more positive like self-empowerment especially during these polarizing times and i mean oh by the way are you gonna get a ps5 we can talk about that later because you just said you're a playstation 4 person I like <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not getting a playstation 5 i refuse i know it's so expensive no you know what i'm gonna get an <laughs> intellivision amico <clears throat> amico oh i need to look up that television was a big brand they were one of the first video game consoles ever created and they've made a brand new one that was Atari. They, well, Atari's making one also. So a lot of this old kind of retro brand comeback stuff. We're so dating ourselves, Matt. <laughs> wow, well, if you want to date it even more, I mean, I got an Atari 2600 when it came out, right? Oh, you know? my God. So, and I was old enough to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and understand it. So, 
the idea behind the Amico is that back in the day when you played video games, you sat in the same room and played them together. Yes. Like that's the idea, right? Yes. Games that you could. And also you stuck a cartridge in the machine. Put it to channel three on the TV. And it would like flicker for a sec and then it would start. Slide the thing up so it could power on. Right. But you didn't have to update it for half an hour and then update the game for half an hour and then learn the 87 controls on the buttons for the thing that are different in every single game. Call of Duty Wars on nothing. (laughs) I mean, hey, there's some games I love. I mean, I love Grand Theft Auto. I don't know why. I just love it. GTA. It's nostalgia. Played it since it came out. I even played the predecessor to GTA, which was called Going Postal. Okay, I didn't know that. Oh my god, that's so cool. That's a serious old game. It was like a two-dimensional game. That's how old it was. I mean, it has to be back in the day. Like, oh, do you remember the old Zelda games? How it was just like oh, yeah. 2D. Oh my god. And now Zelda, like on the Switch, it's like you just have to like my dad says like his eyes go crazy because he's look everywhere <laughs> instead of just directly at the screen. Then it's gonna be VR in about six years, probably, before oh everybody god. has you know the lightweight VR glasses are starting to come out probably in the next year. No, I just heard about the Oculus. I didn't know like they were redoing. It. Yeah, the Oculus AR is coming out. Oh my gosh. I love that we're talking about video games. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, PlayStation, your PlayStation takes too long to update. It should update before I push the button. God damn it, Sony. You ruined my video game playing time. I got half an hour to play a game and I go click the machine on it. It's like, well, wait for update. Yeah, it's a wait forever to update. Well, you know, PlayStation, Sony, if you want to give me one, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Mike, fuck off. It's a terrible user experience. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, talking about negativity. Fuck you, Sony. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyways, let's get back. I do have some more influencer questions. So this is probably going to be different for every single influencer there is. But if somebody is going to approach an influencer and maybe they want to give you a free product to try out or something, or they want to maybe see if they could hire you to make some content and post it or something like that, how do they approach you? So majority of the time, it it does depend on your platform that you're most active on. So for me, it would be Instagram. And if you do your Instagram on a business profile, I would get it through through pretty much like DMs, direct messaging and my emails. And that's how I generally get approached by them. They're like, and you know, you could you could definitely easily snuff out the ones that just want money versus the ones who truly like what you have and what you stand for. And then those are the ones that after I do more research, I'm like, okay, let me collaborate with you. Let's talk it through more to make sure that we align. And then from there, it goes into more like direct emailing, sometimes phone calling if it gets to that point in the relationship. So it's usually through that. Yeah, it's, it's really now like instead of through an agency, like for smaller influencers like us, it's usually through direct messaging on the platform that we're on. Right. Now, do you think and I mean, not that you speak for all influencers, but do you think most kind of, I don't know, I guess, micro influencers, do you have like a rate sheet kind of thing or do you just kind of play it by ear or somebody sends you some stuff and you're like, sure. And somebody else says, I'll give you 50 bucks and you're like, "Okay, whatever, you know, or is it more like structured? Like I'm going to do this for this amount of money, this for this amount of money, you know. Right. So that is. That's very situational depending on the brand that sends you some stuff. Some brands as, okay, so for example, so 
for example, the Watch Me brand, who I love dear. Thank you, Antoine to Carlos for introducing me to them, by the way. I met him through a modeling connection. Um, so they are Seattle-based, and they reached out through me through originally via email through their website. I applied. My friend Antoine referred me to them, and that's how I got it. And they pretty much had the contract, like, here's what we want. These are the X number of times you need to post. You can post whatever you want. with. Well, obviously, within, like, I think nothing defamatory, you know, nothing against their values, obviously. And then, and then pretty much from there, especially for a lot of clothing brands, they're like, if you have your followers use this discount link or how many times they click your link through your site, that's how you can get paid. Sometimes you don't get paid. It really depends. Some brands are not as organized and they'll be like, hey, let's send you this free product. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, what do you stand for You know, on your website? And I'm like, how can we help each other? And like, oh, if you give your followers. So some brands, unfortunately, they just have more of like, they want sales in their mind. So rather than like approaching is what you stand, they're like, oh, this girl has like this many thousand people. Let's just have her collab with us, give her some, you know, like free product. And then she'll say yes. So unfortunately, a lot of not so good brands tend to do that. And those are the brands that I'd be like, I'm sorry. No, I don't generally believe in this. Or I had jewelry brands approach me and I'm just like, oh, as much as I would like to, I don't wear jewelry myself. So I can't be authentic in representing that. So it's definitely situational. And it also depends on the contracts, if you're commission based or pretty much how it's drawn up. It's always down to the contracts. It's usually the amount of times you post too. Would you say it's usually like national or international brands kind of thing? Or do you get like yours, your profile specifically doesn't say I'm in Oregon or, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I know we're both in the same city, right? Yeah, we are. Right? I know it's funny, but and it's where we found each other on Alignable. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't even find you through Instagram. A lot of businesses don't know about that, by the way. Alignable. But yeah, so do you get a lot of kind of location specific stuff or is it pretty much just e-commerce or people we sell this shit on Amazon so will you promote it you know that kind of stuff gotcha so at least for the brands that have approached me to decide to work with they it's it's majority e-commerce especially now in 2020 like traveling is extremely hard so the companies that I tend to align with they are US based for now that could change in the future but they are US based and a, and a lot of them don't have physical stores right now so it is primarily e-commerce but in a way, especially with today, e-commerce is growing. And that's actually really great for, I believe, influencers. Or I like to go with brands that have more of a universal message, like the Watch Me brand. Like anyone can understand the premise of like Watch Me and what it means and how it doesn't have to be physically bound by a brick and mortar store and how that concept just goes. So at least for now, my brands are US based and they're majority e-commerce. A lot of the times, a lot of influencers, a majority of their brands are also as well e-commerce based. So your kind of next step is you're building a YouTube channel. Is that right? Yes. Uh my yes, I'm building a YouTube channel. I was against the idea for so many years, to be honest. Well, here, here's what I say. I wish I had my original analog DSL camera in college and I would literally be vlogging on my camera, like talking to it. And my friends are like, what are you doing? That's so weird, Sam. And so I stopped and then I got a smartphone. So I stopped doing it. And now they're like, oh, Sam, you should have just kept what you were doing. You were original vlogger. And I'm like, you guys told me it was weird. So I didn't do it. And now I have other friends like dance choreographers, like Timmy Marl, who's starting a YouTube channel. And I'm like, if I'm really going to impact, I really need to do it on a bigger scale scale and 
YouTube is booming. It's like a rival to television networks now. And so it's like, I need to get on this. If I really am going to reach those short people out there or that granddaughter, like as I talked about from LinkedIn, like I need to make a YouTube channel. It is in the works. My camera from Canon finally is getting shipped to me. It was back ordered for like the last couple of months. And I'm going to have my editor friends, Blake Abbas and I know Andrade help me out with the production values as well. So I can deliver high quality content. It will be mostly not, I'm not going to be vlogging necessarily, but it'll be more like motivational videos for us short people, like just experiences as a short person and how we can use that to our advantage. So more like Tom Bilyeu, Lisa Bilyeu type of modeling as far as like the type of content I want to do. It's in the works, guys. YouTube definitely outstrips all of the television networks easily. Yeah, it's grown so much. Accessibility, man. It at least close to, if not past, Netflix for viewership. What? Really? Is a massive amount. But you know what? Is the next up and comer that's probably close to, if not already passing YouTube, is Twitch. If you go by amount of minutes watched. Twitch streamers, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because people watch longer. So I know Twitch is like a gaming, more of a gaming platform. That's why like I'm not really on it. But hey, hey, maybe Twitch, 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 be a Twitch streamer. I think that it's probably a good idea to go YouTube and Twitch. Mm -hmm. And YouTube, you make curated kind of production videos yes and twitch you stream the behind the scenes talk to me talk you know with me about these subjects kind of stuff oh it'd be like a kind of like a live q a almost on twitch right oh okay i can do that and then if you really want to back that up with some monetization then you have member or subscriber only videos and you do that through patreon Yes, I, I have seen a lot of Patreon, a lot of the other influencers I follow, they have their own Patreon accounts too. So Yeah, my favorite TV show is on YouTube, and then they also have a Patreon, and they've got thousands of Patreon members. It's called Red Letter Media. Oh, I've, I've seen it. And it's definitely not for everybody, but... Mm-mm. I've seen bits and pieces of it. They get drunk and watch bad movies. <laughs> and they like talk about it. Like they talk about it. Yeah, they did talk about like a commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. So the largest watched television network for total viewers was CBS. For the news? I don't know why. CBS was, and I don't know how they average it, but it was 7 million viewers, and NBC was 6 million, and ABC was 5 million, and Fox was 4 million. Let me get YouTube and Switch viewer counts. That's still, oh my God. I think YouTube has way more. Yeah, way more. I think YouTube's accessibility is what allowed them to be like to surpass TV, like regular traditional TV, you know, since they can be on the phone through different devices too. I don't even have cable anymore. Yeah, I haven't had cable for like a decade. Right. Switch so <laughs> is around 3 million. So that would put them right behind Fox. I mean, Twitch is a lot like newer compared to the those big giant TV stations. And so yeah. one day, one day, Matt, they're going to get up there. I know. I got to get my YouTube channel put together again. We both need, I we both should. <laughs> I've been kind of scratching at it and I put a few podcasts and stuff on there. And finally I was like, you know, nobody wants to really watch a podcast, you know? Uh- there's so many few like podcasts on YouTube now and it's it makes such a big difference when you can see the person's face too when they're talking. You know, I think it's different if it's a produced show. 
But if it's uh, like, you know, kind of like this where we're just kind of talking heads on the screen, I think it gets old pretty fast. Especially and I think it show. would be oh. better to take the episode. Well, this is what I want to do. All right. Here's okay, our plan okay. for the future, everybody. Okay. Here's our plan. Yes. So I want to take my like podcast and then I want to kind of pick out the best parts. And then I want to get together with that person in a kind of structured video setting where mm-hmm. we talk about what was, what did we talk about on the podcast? And then we play the clips and then we have, you know, maybe some B roll of us. Yes, and of them, I've seen that format that before. Kind of stuff before. Yeah. So kind of more of a documentary style format. I think that would be. I was going to say documentary. Yeah. I think people would like that a lot more, you know, but it's hard to say, right? Hey, you don't know if you don't try. <laughs> right. But I do know nobody's hardly watching podcasts because I have TubeBuddy. I don't know if you have that. So if you use Chrome as your browser, you get TubeBuddy. It's a plugin. And TubeBuddy tells you like how many views were on your video and how many oh, daily, God, how many subscribers, and yeah, how many videos. Yeah, yeah. And okay, part of it, yeah. It's even got stuff like, did they follow all the best practices? Do they have like... Are they hearting people's comments? Are they replying? Oh, wow. Are they? So it's it's kind of a way to track your YouTube views and stuff. And the magic of YouTube, everybody thinks I have to try and make it so that somebody can search and find my video. And what you actually want to do is you want to optimize for it to become the suggested video after oh, somebody else's video. Gotcha. Like the next one to play or the next recommendation. That's right. The next oh. recommendation drives 70% of all YouTube views. Yeah, I can see that because you just let it play. Search only drives about 25%. And that remainder is like ones that are built into websites and embeds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, good to know. So if you're going for search, you're only finding 25% of the people. They just have to be on the recommended list. So it just goes and goes. It's the recommendation engine is what's going to build it. Ah, okay. Uh, A lot of that is about stuff they consider like depth of content, which is like how... How deep are you going to talk about a subject? How specific it is? You also, there's there's length of the video seems to matter quite a bit. Yep. Yeah, it tends to, like, I think it's any any content or video that's past 10 minutes, that's usually when ads will kind of reach out to you for that to, like, do their product placement and promotion. If you can cut it about 10 minutes, usually you can get a better viewer count. But it's going to depend on the industry. Yeah, exactly. The other thing is, so here's another thing that nobody knows about YouTube. So unless you're in that world, (laughs) you're trying to monetize your YouTube channel with advertising. All advertising does not pay the same. It's so true. No, I, yeah, I've, I've learned about that. Even, even in Instagram, depending what uh, industry niche you're in, it's highly variable. Right. So if you're getting a percentage of the advertising revenue and your channel is about, let's say, financial like retirement accounts or something like that or like financial literacy yeah financial literacy the ads that are run on that content cost a lot more money so your percentage becomes more money right Mm -hmm. Bam Stefan talks about it yeah right if you're running a channel that is about high-end cars then all the ads for Porsches and Mercedes and BMWs and on, you know, they, they pay you a lot more money in the Land Rover and stuff. Then if you're running ads, you know, if somebody's running ads for T-shirts, right? Yep. And that can be a massive difference. Some of them could be like $1 CPMs versus $50 CPMs, which means you would make 50 times more money if you had the other types of ads. 
here, here's what I, my advice to other influencers is that if you're trying to go into this as a career, especially if you want to rely on income, you better be in it for the long haul because it is not an overnight success. Viral videos that were made, that was not their, for a very few percentage, it might've been their very first video or post, but for the majority of influencers, it took years. It's still taking years. And, um, right. you know, and look, it's like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, I should record you saying this and play it back to you several years from now. <laughs> so yeah. it's a commitment. And I think that's what people have to realize. Like some influencers do it for the money. I say if you do what you do hard enough, then the money will come. As long as it's not your primary focus, you focus on your mission and your values, then it will all trickle. That's, that's usually most success stories. Is that's how it happens anyway. So just. Yeah. Anything, anything in the content world is like that. Like a lot of people used to, there was, I don't know if you remember back when the Angry Birds game first came yes. out in like the early 2000s and yes. like everywhere you went, somebody was, I never played it, I know. Or they're playing that or they're playing Candy Crush. Candy Crush, right? And everybody's like, well, I'm just going to go make a video game like them. Well, the people that made Angry Birds, that was their 64th video game. Right. Oh my God. They didn't like just make Angry Birds and they're like, woohoo, now we're going to roll around in money. It takes so much like time to even come up with a game and to have it even like, yeah, it's, people don't realize just how much hard work that is to provide that instant gratification. <laughs> you know, they say that that every overnight success is 10 years in the making. Heck yeah, except for, yeah, oh my God. So like even people give James Charles, I'm not sure if you know about him, but he's a broody guru in the YouTube community. He actually started when he was 16 selling websites at that young age. So like he wasn't an overnight success either. It took him years to build what he has now. It's taking me like a lot of years too to build what I have now. Funny thing about Mark and, and his YouTube channel, he's been posting stuff on LinkedIn now from YouTube, oh, yeah? uh, which is interesting because I talked to him and he, he wasn't very big on LinkedIn. This is just a few months ago. And because uh, I was on his virtual summit. Oh. So I was on the the Mark Aberti, you know, start your own business summit, mm-hmm. talking about my inbox mastery email marketing course, which we have now. If you guys want an email marketing course, go to courses.hookdm.com. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah, I actually have a question to ask you if I care about email marketing. Okay, so I know that like a lot of people say that email marketing is one of your biggest tools, if not to build leads and prospects, you know, to get your business going. But I mean, as far as an influencer, how can we optimize email marketing? Because usually I'm just I'm trying to figure out how I could combine those two because I'm not necessarily selling like my own product of my own. It, It tends to be brands coming to me. So I'm just like, how can I use email marketing as an influencer to like leverage it? And what's your advice? Oh, Matt. Tell me. <laughs> three things that three reasons why you want to do it. Number one is the old, you don't want to build your house on rented land, which means you were to lose your Instagram account. Yeah. I need to get my own website. <laughs> I need to get my own website too. That's coming right? in the works, guys. It's coming in the works. Well, if you were to lose your Instagram account, you would lose your five, 6,000 followers, right? I did lose my Instagram once it got hacked into. Yeah, that was horrible. But if you have most of those people's email addresses, you can make a new account and you can just email them and tell them what your new account is. And then they can go follow you. Okay, that's good. I like that. Right? So now you're not starting over from scratch. Mm-hmm. And number two is people want to maybe know when your stuff is coming out and not necessarily have to go remember to check because it doesn't matter if somebody subscribes and hits the bell button on YouTube, if they don't open YouTube, a lot of people turn their notifications off now. Mm -hmm. So that means they're not getting the notification unless they actually physically go to YouTube. 
That's true. You're right. So if you have an email and say, hey, my new videos come out, da, 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 da. The other thing, number three that you can do is you can say, hey, if there's a topic you would like me to cover, just write me back and tell me what it is. Okay. And then you can get all your content like ideas from your followers who are the ones who want to watch it in the first place. Okay. Oh, see, I like that. So how email marketing was framed to me was like, you want to build leads, you want to build prospects. And I'm just like, but then the way you framed it, I'm just like, oh my God, that just makes so much more sense. It's just to keep that bridge with your following and your audience. It doesn't have to be like sales. Absolutely. And now you own that audience, right? You have those emails, you put them in an email marketing program, right? And then you download that periodically so that you have a copy on your computer, put it on your cloud drive, whatever, right? Your Google Drive, OneDrive, whatever you use. And then no matter what happens, even if that company goes bankrupt, the email marketing company, you still have your list, right? Nobody can take it away from you. You have it forever. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Matt. There you go. That's That was the connection I needed between what I can do with influencer and email marketing. Thank you. It is. No problem. So here's what you do. You make sure that you have a sign up page so that people can sign up and then you need something. I actually I have a, a video that I do a webinar that's called the three secrets of email marketing. But this is the number one secret. And this is the one thing that if everybody got this right, email marketing would be the easiest thing, be the easiest thing <laughs> to grow your list. Okay. It's the easiest thing to do. It's one really simple thing. You need to come up with something that your followers or your audience wants. And then you need to ask them if they want that thing. And when they say yes, you email them that thing. Okay. Ah, interesting. That's the whole process. Simple as you can make it. So for my email list, I ask people, do you want interesting stories and actionable marketing tips straight to your inbox every week? Ah. And if they say yes and give me their email address, I send them a story about email marketing or about different types of marketing every week. Oh, there you go. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's the whole process. And then if I have something I want to announce, like, hey, I did this great influencer marketing podcast you guys need to listen to. Here's the link. Email <laughs> it out to my people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Then they can go listen to it. So here's what you do. You could sign up for an email marketing account for free at several different places. Okay. But if you want the like the easiest one to use, I would use SendFox. And uh, you can actually go to it's courses.hookdm.com. That's courses, just like, you know, email courses or whatever. And hookdm.com slash tools. And we have all of the tools you could ever want. But the one that you want, if you want a very, very simple email marketing program, is called SendFox. SendFox. Okay. I wrote that down. SendFox is free up to a certain number of subscribers. I can't remember how many it is. It's thousands. <laughs> and SendFox is super easy. You go in and you'll put like, okay, I want my name to be SendFox.com slash SmushyPig. <laughs> and then you put your photo in and you tell people why they should sign up, like sign up to get notified when I have a new video or, you know, uh, new content to deliver to you. And that's it. It creates the page for them to sign up for your newsletter. Oh, nice. Easy. So they would just go to sendfox.com slash smooshy pig. Now they can sign up for your newsletter. And then every I would, you know, probably every week or every two weeks, however often you're going to deliver content, you go in and in there, they have settings where you can put stuff like you can put your Instagram or you could put your YouTube feed 
and it'll automatically generate an email when you come out with a new video and it'll email it to you and ask you if you want to send it. And oh, you can hit the so button cool. and it sends it to all your people to tell them that you have a new podcast out or you have a new video out. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. It's the easiest thing in the world. Okay. And definitely show notes. <laughs> so anyways, all you influencers out there, get on your email marketing. Mm-hmm. That now I know because I learned about it. But I'm just like, I didn't exactly know how it applied to me per se, but it's like, now I do. Now I do. That's right. You put the link in all your YouTube videos, right? You put it your link in bio in your Instagram, right? And you can also tell people, you can be like, you know what? If you want to get notified, make sure that you subscribe and hit the bell button or whatever they do on YouTube, right? Where they're pointing down at the bottom. Oh, you're just exciting stories here. Yeah. Right. Don't forget, go to sendfox.com slash smushy pig to sign up. Every time I have a new video, I'll send you an email. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> That's all there is to it. All right. So I have one last question before we go. I know we're kind of running a little bit long on time here, but I want to let you get back to your day. Oh, thanks. If somebody wants to become an influencer, like intentionally become an influencer, do you have any advice for them on what they should think about to get started? Yes. If you want to become, and I know this might sound so cliche, but if you want to become an influencer, I think if I had to narrow it down, there are probably three big things you have to do. One of them is you have to have so much clarity on who you're trying to influence and what you're trying to influence. So you need your audience and you need your core values because, and I don't want to say niche, but honestly kind of is like, you have to know what your niche, what makes you or competitive difference and advantage as an influencer. And you need to speak to that target audience first. And then from there it will grow. So you need to have clarity about what makes you different and like who exactly you're talking to as an influencer. Cause if you just talk in general, generality, <laughs> you can just get lost in the sea of everybody else who's doing that. Secondly, if you're gonna, you know, wanting to become an influencer, I highly, highly suggest that, you know, you pay really close attention, especially like to the marketing world and how you can grow your influence or even take like, Matt, you have marketing classes or you can take some of those or like really look at the business aspect of being an influencer because without doing that, you know, you can't grow. There is a business side to being an influencer. And I think most young people who get started kind of forget about that aspect and they're wondering like, oh, why am I not growing or how do I monetize? I was like, you really have to study, study the business side about it. And the third thing I would say if you're going to become an influencer <laughs> or any success in what you do, you have to realize that you need to have patience with yourself, patience when you fail, patience when you're not getting the, I guess, like the amount of views you want or the amount of followers. You have to be patient to know that if you're becoming an influencer, you're doing it for the right reasons. And like people have to realize no one is perfect. And you need to have patience with yourself to realize that because you're not perfect, that's what makes you human. And you just have to realize everyone has their timing when they have to go, when they get big. It's all part of this process. You just have to have patience. So patience, clarity, and definitely have to look at the business side of things. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you. And Samantha, Javier. Javier. But I like Javier too. <laughs> Javier. Yes. Smushy Pig on Instagram. Okay. And before we go, what's your TikTok? Coming soon. <laughs> See, I knew you didn't have one. I was like, I can't believe you don't have TikTok yet. No, I'm kind of a lagger. TikTok is not for everybody, people. But let me tell you why you need TikTok. Because I know that we were talking about it kind of in the green room before we started the show. Yes. So 
there is a balance that happens on a social network between the amount of content that's generated and the amount of content that people are looking at. Okay. So Facebook costs a lot of money to advertise and it's really hard to get any reach with your brand because they have way more content than they have what people are looking at. Yep. TikTok has the opposite balance. Mm. There is not enough content to go around. They don't have enough of what people want to see to show it to them. So if you make something that they have audiences that want to see that is not being represented on their platform yet, they will deliver that to as many people as they can. Oh, okay. And I'll give you an example. So in November, when I was first testing out TikTok last November, apparently what a lot of people wanted was cooking related content. And there was also a lot of people, I'm kind of into role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing, right? D&D, yeah, yeah. If I lift up my green screen, it's full of D&D <laughs> stuff. Right? I see it. <laughs> I've got like shelves and shelves of D&D stuff. But anyway, so I made a video because I have a waffle maker that makes 20-sided dice waffles. Whoa. Right? It's a crazy old school thing I got. So anyways, I had a video that I made of making D&D waffles, basically, right? These 20-sided dice waffles. And it's been seen like half a million times. Dang, on TikTok. And it was my sixth or seventh video I made. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had less than 100 followers when I got half a million views. Dang. See, it's not always about numbers and your following to be an influencer either. That's right. So if you have content that they their algorithm has determined people want to see, but it can't find enough of it. That's the magic. Well, I'm a short girl. I represent on TikTok. Oh, really quick, Matt. Can you just give a big shout out to the, I guess, like the, these two, I guess, people that I influenced that motivated me to like push in this direction. Yeah. So I think, I think you heard about it. It was basically a grandfather showing his granddaughter, my LinkedIn. And my LinkedIn was basically how badass it was to be short, like me doing all these obstacle courses, me modeling and whatnot. And then he showed his granddaughter this and we call her Amanda. So Amanda was like, by the way, I'm four, eight, Amanda's four, 10. So she's taller than me. Okay. (laughs) She's taller than you. She is taller than me. Let me tell you, me making people feel tall is a great thing in their day. It makes them feel confident. And when Bob, the grandfather, showed Amanda, you know, my stuff, she actually felt confident in herself that when she played hockey on her mixed gender team, she won the scoring point in an overtime game. And she's the nice. shortest player on that team. And she did that because I empowered and inspired her thanks to her grandfather showing my content. So nice. and that's why I do what I do. That's right. It's absolutely wonderful when you can make a difference in people's lives. Yes. You know, if you have the influence, right, as an influencer, I hope that all influencers or as many as possible will use that for good. Right. Always use for good, people. Yes. Use it for good, not drama. (laughs) Santa, thank you so much for being on the show today. We had a blast. Thank you. And I'm excited for your YouTube channel to come out. And I look forward to seeing that email list getting built. (laughs) And TikTok. (laughs) So, yeah, and TikTok. We better see on the TikTok, too. So I'll tell you this right now. This is scheduled, slated to come out on November 19th. (gasps) Oh, yeah, my is coming out. Sorry, like my hyperness will probably cut out. So... If you have the TikTok and your email list done 
by November 19th. We'll put it in the show notes and everybody will be able to get those at the bottom of your podcast player or at hookseo.com slash podcast. And Smushy Pig will have her YouTube channel up and running and her TikTok going. So you guys can click on the links below to see what she's doing. I have a deadline now. <laughs> and get some short girl power. Yes, represent us short girls. Thank you, Matt. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. And guys, short guys too, represent short guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.